the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, human nature has never changed, and human nature is attracted to heroes. And John the Baptist was most assuredly made of the stuff of which heroes are made. And although his ministry probably persisted for no more than a year, disciples of John the Baptist persisted for decades, possibly even a century after his brief ministry. John the Baptist was indeed one of those heroes of the faith, but he too had his struggles and his doubts, as we'll hear on today's edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands. I'm Mike Trout. So glad, as always, that you have joined us for this uh, short devotional visit. More information about the ministry is always available on our website at uh, studyversebyverse.com. And I'll have uh, additional details about the church and activities there when we get down toward the end of the program. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, we began our study of this fourth gospel by being introduced to the author, the Apostle John. The Apostle also wrote for us 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the book of Revelation. He began his relationship with Jesus as a young man, probably in his 20s. He was probably the youngest of the Apostles. He's also the only Apostle we know of that lived into his 80s or 90s. Or perhaps even beyond, he was probably in his 70s when he wrote this gospel, and his wisdom and insight is evident throughout. He's very clear about his purpose for giving us this gospel, and why he chose to include selected events from the life and ministry of Jesus. In John 20, 30, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So he says, I didn't include everything, I couldn't include everything, but these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And so his purpose is very specific. He wants to present his readers with evidence that can lead them to putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the name means uh, Savior. Christ means anointed. Jesus Christ was the one God anointed to be the Savior of the world. And to that end, then, the, the author provides many sources of evidence. Uh, and in the months to come, should the Lord tarry, uh, we're going to discover that or rediscover that together. Now, we're going to begin our study today in verse 9, but let's look at the verses that precede it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Mankind was designed by God for relationship, and God desires to have relationship with us. Relationship requires communication. It's not possible to have a relationship with someone you've never seen or communicated with. It's through communication that we reveal ourselves and are known and make ourselves known. And God has made it possible for us to have relationship with Him by beginning that conversation through Jesus Christ, the Word. God has always sought to reveal Himself. An interpreted way of paraphrasing this first part of the first verse could read, in the beginning was the communication. The Christ was always the Word, and that should remind us that God has always loved us, uh, for uh, the nature of love is to express itself. 
Now, John begins by calling Jesus the Word because both the Greek and Jewish audiences could use it as a point of reference from which the wise apostle could refine their understanding of Jesus. In the first verse, we find that Jesus was in the beginning and therefore not a created being, that he was with God, indicating that he was distinct from God, but that he was God. Those points are reinforced and reaffirmed in verse 2. In verse 3, we find that God created all things through him. We're also introduced to a writing technique that the author uses to emphasize something by presenting it in both a positive as well as negative format. In verse 4, we find that he was the source of both life and light. And in verse 5, we find out that there was a conflict between light and darkness, and darkness has not defeated him. The author then introduces us to John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, John the Baptist was one of the most prominent personalities in the New Testament. He's mentioned over 80 times. And even though he ministered for what was probably less than a year, he was the first true prophet from God in over 400 years, and he created uh, quite a controversy and was quite popular. In fact, even King Herod was afraid of John's popularity. John the Baptist was ever aware of his role to be the herald to announce the coming of God's promised Messiah. Now, what is a herald? Well, in the ancient world, when kings traveled, they would send before them heralds who would enter into cities and uh, prepare the way. They'd go to town squares. They would stand up. They would get people's attention. They would announce the coming of the king, and they would then redirect attention away from themselves and towards the king. And John the Baptist understood this. He, he got the attention of people, in fact, so much so he didn't have to go to town centers or town squares. People would look for him and find him out in the middle of the wilderness. He announced the coming of the Son of God, and then he said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. The job of the herald was get attention, make the announcement, and redirect that attention to the king. Now, human nature has never changed, and human nature is attracted to heroes. And John the Baptist was most assuredly made of the stuff of which heroes are made. And although his ministry probably persisted for more, no more than a year, disciples of John the Baptist persisted for decades, possibly even a century after his brief ministry. Now, the author of the gospel neither elevates nor denigrates John the Baptist, but he's careful to distinguish that as great as John the Baptist is, there is no one like Jesus. There is no one who compares to Jesus. John was a man sent from God, but Jesus was God, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. After introducing us then to John the Baptist, the author now returns our attention to Jesus in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So attention is now brought to the incarnation. There's two points that receive special emphasis. Number one is the astonishing fact that God chose to take upon himself human form. The other is even more astonishing that some people chose to have nothing to do with him. 
And so John here is concerned that we miss neither the good news of the incarnation of Christ Jesus nor the tragedy of human rejection. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, John does not normally speak of people as coming into the world. This is a description he reserves for Christ. Christ existed before the world was created, and he came into the world. John says he was the true light, and the word true there refers to what is genuine and real. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, the word describes that which has not only the name and semblance, but the real nature corresponding to the name. Now, God's people had seen reflections of the glory of God, but in Jesus, the full radiance of His glory was revealed, Hebrews 1.3. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone. Now, in the verses that follow, the author is going to mention some people did not receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And because we are compassionate people, we have a tendency to want to excuse their behavior as being the result of something beyond their control. But the author here seeks to put that notion to rest. The Bible says that every man has been exposed to some degree to light and is therefore without excuse. Romans chapter 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. The Bible says there's no excuse for rejecting the truth because creation reveals the power and the nature of God. It gives light to everyone. The passage in Romans then continues to describe such Men and women is refusing to honor God or to give Him thanks, and they subsequently become futile and dark in their minds and their hearts. Now, the author then indicates there's two responses to Christ. Some reject Him, others receive Him. And the author begins describing those who reject Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and yet the world did not know him. Now, the word knew here is sometimes used in the sense of approving or loving, and it, in that sense, it might be used here. So, the world did not approve or love him. Now, part of the reason for this is that Jesus did not conform to the expectations of either the world in general or the nation of Israel, described herein as his own. The author begins with the response of the world in general. You see, to the world, Jesus looked like a mere man. He walked, he talked, he grew tired, he slept, he grew hungry, he ate, and so forth. He did all of the things mere men do. Now, this was unexpected. It didn't make any sense. How could God experience hunger? Well, how could they know that he was God in human form? They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have the word of God to explain that God would send such a Savior to save us from our sin. All they, all they had were their pagan religions that were passed down to them by their parents, who received it from their parents, and so on and so forth. Many generations had passed since their ancestors knew God or knew about God. Their knowledge of God was very dark, very limited. But that was not true of God's own people, the Israelites. It says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. His people had the Scriptures. When the wise men showed up from the east in Jerusalem asking where the king of the Jews was going to be born, 
they knew exactly where to send them, to Bethlehem. It's a little town of a couple of hundred people of about six miles from Jerusalem. It wasn't that far. People in that era walked, and a person could walk there, see the entire town, and be back in time for lunch. It wasn't that far. You'd think that some of them would have gone along to find out what the commotion was about. But they were too busy being religious or something. A little tongue-in-cheek comment there as we wrap up today's broadcast here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout. He'll be back tomorrow at this same time to present another uh, short devotional message here on this station. I hope you can join with us. If you've missed any of the past broadcasts, you can go to our website at uh, studyversebyverse.com and listen to them again. That's studyversebyverse.com. The website for the church is churchofthehighlands.org. And you know, this might be the time of year when some of you listening are thinking about education for your children next year. It's a good time to begin planning and do your research. I encourage you to check out Highlands Christian Schools, preschool through high school, on the web at highlandschristianschools.com. They'll be celebrating 50 years of educational excellence next year. That's highlandschristianschools.com. And make plans to be back tomorrow at this same time when Pastor Layton will once again open the Word of God and we will study verse by verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.